0: Well, this is the time of year where people start making New Year's resolutions. Are you the type of person that makes a list and makes New Year's resolutions? Are you the person that has goals at the beginning of the year that by the time March hits, it's, they're failed, They've, you've lost, you've, you've been done, right? This is the time of year where the gym gets really busy, the vegetable aisle at the grocery store is empty, and people's productivity in work and in school, it's just like, skyrockets because everyone's committed to their New Year's resolutions. New Year, new me, right? No, no, New Year, same you, because everyone's failing those New Year's resolutions by the time that March hits, right? I think we all can relate to that idea of, of being bad stewards of, the, of the, uh, the goals that we've set out to accomplish. And that's the thing, whether or not you're successful with those New Year's resolutions or a failure in those New Year's resolutions is how you steward those goals that you've set before you. And stewardship, guys, is a big aspect of the Christian life. Stewardship is so important for every single one of us as Christians to really consider and to think about. And in our text, we are talking about stewarding the good gifts that God has provided. And we'll talk about what that looks like. Whether or not you get this could drastically affect your experience at judgment. So turn with me to Matthew 25. Look with me at verses 14 through 30. We're going to look at the parable of the talents. It's a familiar parable, I'm sure, but we're going to look at it a little bit closer. So open your Bibles, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And just for a little bit of context while you're turning there, this is part of the Olivet Discourse, chapters 24 and 25. This is helpful for us to understand because this has a, an eschatological focus, an end times focus. So that's the idea here, is in chapter 24, they're talking about, are you ready for the return of Christ? And then chapter 25 talks about what that readiness looks like, what that readiness means. So we have to understand that context in order to rightly interpret this parable, in, in, in order to rightly understand and apply this parable. So keep that in mind as we read this text together. I'll do so with a little bit of commentary. Verse 14 says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. So the idea here is this man is, is the master, right? And there's the servants that are subject to the master. Jesus is, of course, the master verse 15. To one, he gave five talents. Okay, so what is a talent? Well, a talent is really just a a unit of measurement. However, in the parable, in the context of the parable, we're talking about money here. We're talking about finances. He's given them finances to steward. And a talent is a big uh, unit of of finances. It's 6,000 days wages. It's a big, uh, uh, extraordinary amount of money. And this person was given five talents to steward to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. So each person was given according to the way that he saw fit for this person. Then he went away. Verse 16, he who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So he was a a profitable guy. He was a, a savvy business person, if you will. He went and took those five talents, and he immediately went and did something with it. He, he, reaped a reward or a return in the investment that his master gave him. Verse 17, so also he who had two talents made two talents more, did the same thing. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money, right? You might be thinking, well, that's kind of weird. Why would you do that? Well, this was actually a common thing that people would do in ancient times where they had a valuable uh, uh, treasure or unit of money that they would uh, dig, dig it into the ground because it was the safest place for it to be because banks weren't really a thing at the time, right? They, they would put it in the ground and they were the only person that knew where it was. So they knew, okay, my money will be safe there. It'll be safe in the ground. I'm the only person that knows where it is. No one else can touch it. No one else knows where it's at. So this was actually a common thing, but, the, but he's reprimanded for this later in our text. Verse 19, now, judgment day comes, after a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. So he was productive. He was fruitful with his labor. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. So this idea of he's, he's faithful of what God has given him, the master rather, is given him in this the context of this parable. So he's like, hey, I'll give you more to steward. And the idea with us here as we think about this is that when we're faithful with what God's given us in this life, God will bless us in eternity with eternal rewards. We'll talk about that more later. So that we have judgment in mind here. Verse 22. And he also said to the uh, two talent, to the person who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. So he did the same thing. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter in the joy of your master. Right? And you notice how the, the reward is the exact same regardless of the result, the return that they've provided. Because the point is, is not how much they return, the point is that they were faithful with what the master gave them. That's the point of this. In verse, 23, verse 24, though, we see the third servant. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. So really, what did he do? He's making an excuse for his lack of enterprise, for his lack of a return. He's making an excuse, and in fact, he's making an excuse about the master that's not even true. He's saying, I knew this about you, which isn't true because what did the master do for the other two servants? He rewarded them faithfully. Thankful for their, uh, thank you for your faithfulness. Here's your reward. But instead, this third uh, servant says, no, 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 no. No, I know you're a shrewd man. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Your excuse, if you knew that I would reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Remember, as I said, the banking industry wasn't really a thing back then. So this idea of banking was you should have made a risky investment. It would have been better for you to go and make a risky investment with my talent that I gave you than to have dug it in the ground and done nothing with it. It would have better, been better for you to do something with what I gave you, and then to not do anything at all, right, is essentially what he's saying here. Verse 28. So take that talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. It's this idea of blessing of faithful labor. In verse 30, which should be a warning To our laziness says, and he cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he gets punished for his lack of stewardship. He gets punished for his lack of faithfulness with that one talent that the master provided for him. He was fruitless. And that type of fruitlessness can be evident in, you know, your own lives, as you think about your own Christianity and the, and the gifts that God provides you, you can return it void. You can dig it into the ground and not doing any, do anything with it. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about if you were to stand before Christ at judgment, because that's what we have in mind when we think about this parable. We have in mind this idea of we will be held accountable one day, and right now, we're, we're held accountable by Christ for what we do. If you were to stand before judgment... Would you stand as a faithful steward or a fruitless servant? The main idea of this parable and this sermon is, I want you to faithfully steward your God-given resources, your opportunities, your abilities, in anticipation of the return of Christ. And that return of Christ is what we got to focus on in this first point. Because the other points make a lot more sense in context of judgment, in context of accountability. So point number one, write it down this way. Remember, you are accountable to Christ. Remember, you are accountable to Christ. You have to remember, look, I mean, we look at this parable, this master and slave or servant, if you will, uh, this relationship. That's our relationship with Christ, the master, right? He's the one that's in charge. We're the ones that are subject to him, This master and servant relationship, everything that we have in this life, all the good things that God has provided, the abilities, the resources, the gifts, all of these things, which we'll talk a little bit more about later, are from the master. And they're given to us to be stewards. We ought to be servants and remember this relationship. And just to define that word stewardship, if you're not familiar with that, I know I keep throwing that around. Stewardship is being responsible for someone else's property while they've given it to you. Right, it's like a, it's like if you were, someone let you borrow their car, right? You would you would fill it up with gas. I I would hope you would do this. You'd be if you were a good steward, you'd do this. You'd fill it up with gas. You'd be careful not to go over the speed limit, right? You'd be careful to park between the lines and not park like a crazy person, like people do at town center all the time, right? The Tesla drivers. I'm sorry, Andrew, um, but yes, you know you would be faithful. You would be a faithful steward of that car. That's the idea. Right? Is that you have this car that someone's lent to you that's not yours, that's used, uh, that you're using, someone's entrusted to you, it's, it's something that they've um, given to you. It's this stewardship. And we have to remember that we're accountable for our stewardship, we're accountable to Christ for everything that we do. In Matthew chapter 12, Verse 36 and 37, write that verse down. Matthew chapter 12, 36 and 37 says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. Right. So this is talking just about your, your words. However, the idea is that every single thing that you do in this life will be taken under a microscope as you stand before Christ on judgment, and he'll say, what did you do? He's going to look at you and say, how did you use these things that I've given you? And this accountability should stir up a type of motivation to do the things that God wants us to do, that God calls us to do. The fact that we're going to be standing before the king on our faces with the scrolls open. Now, of course, I know as a believer that it's a judgment of commendation. It's not really a judgment of condemnation. It's a positive judgment in some ways because you're not condemned to hell as a Christian. However, it's still this accountability that every single Christian will have before the master, before Christ, and he's going to scrutinize every single thing that we've done in our life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10 says it this way, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, right, to use the gifts he's, he's given us, the talents, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Right? So there's this accountability that we will have at the end of this life that we have to keep in mind on a daily basis. I don't know about you guys, but I utilize the screen app on my phone a lot, you know, the screen time app, you know what I'm talking about? That basically tells you, hey, stop being on Instagram as much as you are right? Have you guys seen, you guys use this screen app? Yes, yeah, some of you guys use it, right? And you get the notification. I just got mine today and say, hey, you're up 30%. And I'm like, oh, well, that's accountability right there, right? You know, a couple hours on there. It tells you exactly how you've used every single minute on your phone, right? And it's like instant accountability. It's instant uh, conviction in a lot of ways, too. I mean, Judgment Day, of course, is not like your screen time app, but it's similar in the sense that for every single thing that we've done, we're going to be held accountable for. And God's going to say, look, how'd you use this? How'd you use this relationship? How'd you use this conversation? How'd you use this good gift that I've given you? There's going to be a day of reckoning, a day of accountability that we have to look forward to and keep in mind on a daily basis. When we look back at our text, we see this... Uh, rewards are being given to the stewards, or the, the servants rather, for how they stewarded it. So I, I don't want to go past this accountability uh, that we have before Christ without mentioning the fact that there's rewards given, right? There's a well done, good, and faithful servant that is to be said to, to those that have, were good stewards. So turn with me to Matthew 19. Turn with me to Matthew 19. Matthew 19, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's telling them, basically, look, you're going to be rewarded for the many sacrifices, the many uh, conversations and the the way that you stewarded the the, the gifts that I've given you. You're going to be um, rewarded for those things that I've given you. Matthew 19, verse 27, we read it in our scripture reading. Then Peter said in reply, see, we have left everything and followed you. This looks like a daily commitment to Christ. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life but many who are first will be last and last first. So there's this idea, of course, implied here that there's sacrifice made on a daily basis. In order to reap these eternal rewards, there's sacrifice that's made. There's also commitment and duty and responsibility that needs to be taken care of by every single Christian. So I don't want to go past this accountability without understanding that when you do what is right, what, if you faithfully steward what God has given you, there's rewards to be had. That's a I mean, that's just a mind-blowing thing, right? Because Ephesians 2 verse 10 tells us that God prepares these works for us beforehand that we may walk in them. So it's like God is graciously providing these good gifts for us. And he's graciously providing these works that we ought to walk in. And then he's rewarding us for walking in the good works that he said we will walk in. Right? I mean, isn't that an amazing concept? I mean, that just shows how good God is. And we have to remember that. We have to think about that as well because you're accountable to Christ, you got to live like it. Use those gifts and resources and opportunities to invest in kingdom purposes. Look, those first two servants that we talked about in our parable, they used God's good gift. They invested those talents. They invested those things that God gave them to produce a return, to produce fruit. And point number two, I said it like this, invest what God has given you. Very simple. Invest what God has given you. There's so many things that God has blessed you with that we ought to invest. In 1976, there was a man named Ronald Wayne. He made an investment in a small tech startup company back in 1976. And these two young entrepreneurs that he basically invested into them because it was a young start startup, they had nothing proven. They made some risky, uh, a, one single risky business investment. They made a business, not investment, but a, uh, a deal, a business deal. I mean a risky business deal. And Ronald Wayne was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. These two broke college kids, they have no collateral, man. Like, they have no, like, they're not coming after their house. They don't got a house. They live with mom and dad. They're going to come after my house, the bank and all of it. They're, they're going to come after me. So I'm getting all this risk, right? So I'm backing out. So Ronald Wayne backed out of this, this uh, uh, you know, investment, into this small company and he sold his shares and they gave him $800 for his shares, right? Okay, great, whatever, he got some money back. Well, he, he sold 10% of his shares. That turned out to be a big mistake because if Wayne had stuck with them, his small investment today would be worth $95 billion. Why? Because that small tech company was Apple. And Wayne made the biggest mistake of his life, I would assume you know, they asked him if he regretted it and he said no. But it's funny because he had a contract with them as well that he, he sold, he, he got rid of it for like 500 bucks. But then that contract that he had sold for $1.5 million in an auction later. So this guy, the poor guy, he's just bad luck. This poor guy made, making bad investments. But anyways, you realize Apple is worth $1 trillion today. So you can see that this was a very bad investment on this guy's now, I understand investing in stock, is, uh, that's different than investing into the kingdom, right? This is a lot different. But it's this idea of making good investments in this life. It's this idea of uh, pouring into things that matter. The idea is that God expects, expects us to have a return on, on the investment that he's given to us. Right? It's this idea of God has given us these good gifts. He expects us to produce a return. He expects us to have fruit, to bear fruit with the good things that he's given us. These first two servants did that faithfully. So when we look back at our text, you know, I've, I've gone all this way without telling you exactly what these talents are. I guess I talked about it a little bit in the, in the beginning, in the intro, but these talents, what they are, like the way you can think about these talents, it's, it's not, you know, when we hear the word talent, you think, oh, that guy can catch a football, Right? It's like, oh, that, that girl, she can flip really high in the air in gymnastics. So that person can twirl around on the ice skating rink, right? You think, that person's talented. Well, it's interesting. This is just a sidebar, but it, it's interesting to me. The, the, the word talent, that idea of talent being a natural giftedness, a natural ability, is actually a, a, a it's something that came from the 16th century, right? From this passage, Right? They actually learned, they, that's the way they use that word. They say, oh yeah, it's from the parable of the talents. That's where it originated, at least that meaning, that definition. But as you realize, as I explain to you what talents means, that's a false understanding of what talents, talents means. So it's, it's funny how the word that we have in English today is actually from a misinterpretation of the passage in the 16th century. I don't know, I thought that was kind of interesting when you talk about talents. But it's important and it's relevant because when you read this, you think, oh, natural giftedness, like talents. That's instantly what we go to. But talents is more than that. It, that's included, of course. But talents is also uh, symbolic of, you know, your opportunities in life, symbolic of, of, of wealth that you and your family have or don't have, right? It's, it's, it's responsibility that God has given you. It's your personality. It's all of these different things right that are, are that come together these are good gifts that God has given you gifts opportunities abilities it, it, it gives us this responsibility that's what we're talking about when we're talking about talents does that make sense you follow me with that good first peter chapter 4 verse 10 first peter chapter 4 verse 10 and 11 it says as each has received a gift use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace right? So you look around and you see, okay, well, I'm not like that person. I don't have the abilities this person has. I don't have the money that that person has. I don't have the ability to talk like this guy has or, you know, whatever, right? That's okay. We all have different levels of grace or varied grace. Levels, probably not the right word to say, but we have different types of grace that God has given us. We have to be okay with that. We have to be good with that. And then just like as in this, the person got five talents, another person got two talents, another person have one. It's not about the talents. It's about your faithfulness with those things that God has given. Verse 11, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and never. Amen. So you got to be faithful, regardless of how much or how little talents God provides you. The point is faithfulness. God's not going to expect from you the same type of return in, in terms of faithfulness, in terms of how you use these gifts, as someone else, right? Like if someone has a lot of money and you have little money, they're not going to expect the same, God's not going to expect the same type of return on that that he is for you if you have little money, right? And we'll talk more about, you know, specifics there, but... I hope you're following me on that. Right? It's not the same exact responsibility. The responsibility is to be faithful. So, how are you investing those talents? Right? That's the question that, that we, we come with. How are you investing those talents on a daily basis? Are you being a good steward? Are you being a bad steward? That's what this whole passage is talking about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, why don't you turn there? 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at this text together. It's a helpful text to understand what stewardship's all about. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, "This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and the stewards of the mysteries of God." Right? As servants of Christ, we established that in the first point, that we all are subject to the master. We're all subject to Christ. We all are servants of what he has called us to do. Verse 2, Moreover, it is required of uh, stewards that they be found faithful. They be found faithful with what God has given them. Right? That's the idea with stewardship. Like going back to that car analogy, you know, if your friend gives you a Tesla, Okay, you might have to be a little bit more careful with the Tesla that, that your friend is giving you to you know, borrow, you're borrowing from your friend. Your friend gives you the beat up Honda Civic from 92, like Pastor John's old maroon car. Do you guys remember that one? Pastor John remembers that car. That. <laughs> you know, there's a different level of stewardship now, right? But the idea is that is Pastor John's going to expect you to bring the, the beat up Honda Civic back in the same condition, just the same way as the Tesla driver is. However, there's a different way that you manage that, that driving that car, right? But the expectation's the same. Are you faithful in bringing me the car back, right? Gotta be good stewards. I mean, this specifically, it looks like discipleship in, in life. It looks like study. It looks like evangelism. It looks like ministering to people, counseling people, fulfilling needs, serving in your church. These are all broad level ways of how we can be good stewards with the good gifts that God has given us, these opportunities, these abilities. And I broke it down in three ways, personal, material, and financial. So first, personal. How can we be good stewards of what God's given us in our personal life? Well, it seems obvious, right? But grow in likeness. right? Your personal life, you ought to take advantage of, of the church of the Bible, I mean, I know it's said from the pulpit quite often here, and I know it's easy sometimes to let it just go through one ear and out the other, but you realize the advantages we have in this age when it comes to the Bible, right? Like you have a Bible sitting in your laps and on your phones that you have access to, that you can open up on a daily basis. You realize that that was not a thing for a very long time in the church. And today we have access to it right now, and you can open it up. 2024, as Pastor John mentioned, tomorrow we're starting DBR, day one, right? You're going to be there with us? You're going to do it with us? Commit to it, right? This is not just to check off the box. This is, as a Christian, this is for your spiritual growth. This is for you to become more like Christ. This is not just another task for you to do as if you're doing some homework assignment. This is investing in things that God wants you to invest in. And it, re- it reaps a personal spiritual reward. Or return, rather, I should say. Bible memory, Bible prayer, or uh, prayer, Bible study, all of these things. I mean, you guys realize you go to a church that teaches you the Bible, right? That's also something that's not, I mean, there's a lot of people that teach the Bible. I'm just saying that in in the the day and age we live in, it's easier to find a place that doesn't teach the Bible than does teach the Bible, right? And you're at a place that teaches the Bible. Right? And God's going to look at you in judgment day and say, how did you use that? What did you do with that? Number two, I said material, you're giving. Right? Think about how you steward your, your, your finances. I mean, some of you guys have jobs and not giving, maybe you're not giving to the church. This is a great opportunity to, to turn that around and start investing in kingdom purposes by giving to the church. takes financial sacrifice too, I think, to be a good steward from time to time. Because as you've noticed, if you've got a job, there may be times where you have to take less shifts in your job in order to be at church more frequently, or be at a church event, or be at a Bible study. It takes financial sacrifice. There's a lot more we can talk about there, but relational is the third thing I said, right? I think this might be a lot more relevant to the rest of the room, but some of you are outgoing, you're well-spoken, some of you are uh, shy and, and and not as outspoken. But look, these are these are abilities and responsibilities that God has given you to steward. So like if you are outspoken, you can talk to a lot of people and you have a lot of friends, well, God's going to hold you accountable for that. And he's going to say, okay, how did you steward that? How did you steward that ability that I've given you? And the same thing goes for the person that that, that doesn't have a lot of friends, right? How did you steward that, that friend group that you had? Both can be used to reach people with, for Christ. Or maybe you've been blessed athletically, right? So there's some people in this room that are going to D1 colleges next year. Praise God, that's awesome, right? But if, if you stand before Christ at judgment and it's, you know, I, I went to the D1 college, well, great, but why did God give us the, that ability? God may have given you that ability so that you can invest in the people on your team, right? And maybe it's not college, but some of you that are not graduating this year that are on a team right now, how are you investing in the people that are on your team, inviting them to church or sharing the gospel with them? God has given you this platform that you don't want to stand before judgment and say, I wasted it. Pastor Roy, I'm homeschooled. What do I do? Great. Most homeschool people have a lot more time on their hands than public school. Right? I've, I saw some nods, right? That's not, that's not like a, I'm not implying that I'm not, you know, that's not an accusation. Like, you're looking at me like, yeah, yeah, we do. We do. Right? I know some of you have full-time jobs while you're going to school at the same time. It's crazy. But look, how are you stewarding that extra time that you have? Right? Are you, are you getting involved in, in more church events? Are you serving in a lot of ways that the church needs uh, has needs in? Right, You have more time on your hands than someone who's in public school or who's on a sports team, which is fine. But how are you going to now steward that extra time that you have? I want you to think about your stewardship. I want you to consider this. I mean, even like future thoughts. It's like some of you may need to reconsider whether or not to take the job that, that you're going to be offered. Maybe some of you are interviewing for a job right now and you realize, If I take this job, that's going to take away from my time of serving the Lord. So you got to back away from even accepting a job. That would be good stewardship. Some of you have a job, and that's fine. That's great. Be a good steward of the job you have. Or maybe others of you, you know, good stewardship looks like reconsidering what college you go to. I mean, you seniors are thinking about colleges. Some of you have accepted and you've moved forward. But you got to start reconsidering, is this the place that God wants me to be? Is this where I can be a good steward of what God's given me? Maybe it's a bad financial investment, right? Or, or maybe it's, that's not the school that's going to be fruitful for your spiritual growth. You got to reconsider the college you go to if you want to be a good steward of the good things God's given you. I mean, some of you in this, this room got to rethink majors and future occupations. I mean, there's people in this room that should be missionaries that aren't even thinking about it right now. Right, there's people in this room that should be pastors at some point that aren't even thinking about right now because maybe you're not using uh, what God's given you, you're not being a good steward of what God's given you. And good stewardship's going to change the course of your life. It will. If you're rightly stewarding the, the good things God's given you, it will change the course of your life. I just want you to realize this. We've got to invest in what God's called us to do, to do what God's given us. You gotta invest those good things, those talents. Whatever that talent looks like in your life, you gotta be a good steward of it. Draw your attention now to the third servant, right? What, what can we learn from that third servant from our parable, right? He did everything wrong. Right? He made excuses. He was lazy for, for what uh, with the, the talent that, that the master gave him. And then he made an excuse for the, the laziness. Right? Matthew 25, verse 24. I'll just reread it. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But as that master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Right? He's not affirming that. He's just saying, like, according to what you just said, this excuse, why didn't you go do this? Then you ought to have invested in my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine, my own with interest. Right? I mean, he did everything wrong. He excused his responsibility. He excused his laziness. The servant was lazy with what God provided. Point number three, I want you to decide to never excuse your laziness. Decide to never excuse your laziness. Right, we gotta avoid that temptation to be lazy. I know it's tempting. I you think about just God in general. Like, we're, we're we have to understand we're stewards of something that God has given us. That's what stewardship is, right? God has given us this these abilities, these opportunities, responsibilities, and He's expecting us to do something with what is His, right? Who are we? Like, I understand laziness is bad. But I just want you to understand that concept. Like, who are we to be lazy with that type of idea, right? That, that this is someone else's property that he's given to us on loan. And who are we to sit there and be lazy with someone else's stuff, right? That's the next level. You following me? It's like, there's one thing to be lazy with your own stuff and your own responsibility. But now you're being lazy with what God has given you. You need to get rid of that laziness if it's something you struggle with. You know, Proverbs 21, Proverbs 21, verse 25 says, The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Right? Are, you ref- are you refusing to work for God? Are you refusing to use these talents, these good gifts that God's given you? Because of this laziness. Right? Oh man, you know, it takes time to, to do the thing God wants me to do. It takes, ah, oh, it takes so much sacrifice. I just, I don't know. It requires, you know, selflessness, and I'm just not about that. Proverbs 20, verse 4. The slugger does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. Right, it's interesting that sometimes in our own laziness, we expect a return even though we've done nothing. Right, we expect a return for doing nothing with what God's provided us. You can't expect judgment day to go well when we're being lazy with what God has provided us. I just want you to think about that. Think about that for a second. Like if you were at your Chick-fil-A shift and you were being lazy on the job, like how many times would you need to be lazy missing uh, you know, responsibilities and duties before you got fired, right? And you don't do that because why? You fear to be fired, or, or how, how many, you know, you slack on your homework and you, stu- and you slack on study and you, it results in a failing grade, right? We, we don't want to do that, so we study hard and we, we do the homework. It's awful with chores at home, right? And then you lose out on privileges that your parents bestow upon you. I mean, just think about that idea. It's like when you hear that, you think, well, yeah, duh, I'm not going to be lazy because I don't want those bad things to happen. Well, why don't we think about that? when we think about our stewardship that God has given us. right? I want you to have that perspective when you approach the good gifts that God has given you, the responsibilities and the opportunities, and not to throw it away. Because there's negative results that come, as we learned in verse 30 of our passage. Look, if you're finding yourself to be slacking in this, if this is something you're struggling with, if you're struggling with laziness or you're making these excuses, you, know, you can repent right now. I mean, this is the beauty of the new year. I mean, you can repent right today, but this is the beauty of the new year. As Pastor Mike said in his sermon, it's like it's like a reset. In humans, we need that. We need this kind of reset in our lives. It's like, hey, new Year new you, like I said at the beginning, right? Let's make that real in your spiritual life, in your walk with Christ. Repent today. Change. Set new goals for yourself and consider how you'll implement um, some of these things we laid out in the previous point. But as you saw in our parable, this guy made some excuses for his laziness, right? And I think we have the tendency to do that from time to time is to make these excuses for the laziness and, and look back at God and, and say, hey, it's your fault, right? Which is even more egregious. But I want you to think about the, the, the excuses that maybe you might make in your life when it comes to the stewardship of what God has given you, the talents, the good gifts, the opportunities, responsibilities. What are some excuses that might come to mind? Well, you think about laziness in that spiritual growth. Well, I'm too busy to read the Bible. I just got too much homework tonight. Right? I mean, that's one that I'm sure we've all made, even leader I mean, we don't, the leaders, I guess, don't talk about that with their homework. But there's always this putting off of, you know, the DBR because of some other thing that's so much more pressing. What's more pressing than you investing in your spiritual growth? That's that's pressing. That's important, Or right? you think about like laziness with friends that God has provided you. You know, we talked about the people that have abundance of friends or small friends, whatever. But the, those circles that God has given you, well, I, I just don't want to ask them to come to church or share the gospel because, like, I might ruin the relationship. You know, we just may not. They may not want to talk to me anymore. Be, being a good steward is risking those friendships for the sake of Christ. I mean, the return would be that person getting saved, you realize, right? Like if we properly stewarded the, those friendships, we're sharing the gospel and, and inviting them to the church and then one out of 10 of them gets saved, whatever. Someone gets saved? I mean, that's the return that we're talking about here, right? That's the fruit of not being lazy, in making excuses. Laziness with that extra time that God has gifted you, talking to you homeschoolers. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody. We all have time on our hands. We always think we're too busy. Yeah, it's funny. I forgot to put this into the uh, the sermon, but it popped in my head. You know, Charles Spurgeon? You know, you know Charles Spurgeon, he every week he he would read like six meaty books. He would preach four to 10 times a week. He would also uh, oversee over a 100 organizations in his church. He would have counseling appointments. This guy would, uh, he he oversaw like thousands, or not thousands, but hundreds of uh, organizations and associations throughout his ministry, right? And he had kids, and he had a wife, right? We don't, like, okay, look, Spurgeon's has got five talents, right? We got two talents, okay? Right, I'm not, co- like, like, we're not comparing the talents, right? We don't do that. We talked about that. But, like, think about the faithfulness of this guy. That was the return. That was the, the, the result of his faithfulness to do what God's given him, right? To use his, his intellect, to use his stamina, to use his endurance for the glory of God. We all think we have, we're too busy. I don't think that ever came out of the mouth of Spurgeon, He always sought to do more. Laziness with finances, God graciously provides, right? You know, I just can't give to the church because I just won't have money to give or to uh, do the things I want to do, right? We're so quick to make excuses when really we should be faithful. The last one that I had written down I think is helpful is, you know, laziness with church. We make excuses towards events or uh, you know, serving. Well, I can't serve right now because I, I practice on that day, right? Or I, I can't attend that event because, well, I, I, I picked up a shift on Sunday, so now I can't come to come to church on Sunday, right? Or I picked up that shift on Wednesday or I have that practice on Wednesday, now I can't go to that. I can't go to the True North Cup on Sunday afternoon because, you know, I gotta, get, I gotta go to my job, right? I mean, it's good to be a good steward of your job, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is is that we can make these excuses and push it on something else for our lack of faithfulness to God, for our lack of stewardship of what God's given us. I just want you to think about how that'll pan out on Judgment Day. Right? The, the whole parable is in light of the return of Christ and the accountability that we have before Jesus. I, I, I want you to think about how that'll pan out. Like, imagine this with me. You're standing before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he says, hey, why didn't you go to True North that Wednesday? Oh well, you know, I had practice. God, it's like, oh hey, why didn't you invest into this person that I put into your small group? That you, you know, this person that needed help. Why didn't you fulfill their needs? Why didn't you help them? Well, you know, I was just tired that night. I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I would. Hey, why didn't you share the gospel with the 500 people that you interacted with at, at school in high school for the four years that you were there? Why why didn't you share the gospel? well, I just didn't want to ruffle any feathers. I was just afraid, Jesus. Like, like, how do you think that's going to pan out on judgment day, right? We all have to feel that weight. Every Christian here, every person will stand before Christ at judgment, but every Christian in this type of judgment is going to stand before Christ and, and make an account for what we've done and how we've stewarded the things that he's given us. Instead, decide today to never make those excuses, right? Be willing to risk friendships for the gospel. Pour into a younger believer. Grow in your Christ-likeness. Spend the extra dollar. Go the extra mile for people that are in need. Serve your church in a greater capacity. Always be working to steward faithfully what God has given you. At the end of the year, I always like to uh, review my spiritual goals, the new, the, not spiritual goals, but my goals in general, which includes spiritual goals, the New Year's resolutions is what I'm getting at. I always look at it at the end of the year. It's like I start at the beginning of the year, I look at my goals list at the end of the year, I'll put a strike through what I accomplished, and I'll put red, I'll mark it with red with what I didn't accomplish. And sad to say, I'm always ashamed with how much red is on that paper, right? However, the idea here is like, there's this day of accountability that I'll have and i quickly make these excuses like "Well, oh, it's red because of this or it's red because you know i didn't have enough time or i didn't have, you know it's like we quickly move to removing the accountability from us and jump to these excuses but really the reason that there's red on my spirit or on my uh, new year's resolutions is because i was a bad steward of those areas right and maybe not in general but in those specific areas I was a bad stewardship God has called you to faithfully steward your resources, your opportunities, whatever it may be, in eager anticipation of Christ's return. Right? As you stand before him, there'll be no room for excuse. I want you to focus this year, 2024. Focus this year on being a good steward of what God has provided. Let's pray about that. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this reminder from this parable of our responsibility our duty to be good stewards of all of the things that you've given us, the talents, the opportunities, the abilities. Help us to identify where we can improve. And God, I pray that we always keep in mind that accountability that we have before Christ is that is accountability that is ongoing but also will happen in the end. God, we're just, we want to be faithful, and I pray that this year, 2024, can be a new year of faithfulness and good stewardship of what you've provided. So help us all with that. This is something that I think every single Christian needs to be reminded of. So help us to do that, God. We're thankful to you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.